Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. <laughs> Carson is, is uh, he, he's always fun. I, I was particularly entertained with uh, the insight he provided the other day, which, to be fair, I don't know if that's him trying to break news. I think he was spreading the same Mike Tomlin as a candidate to USC nonsense that uh, that other people were, but he should probably read the room and, and know, uh, it, it, know that situation is not something that is going to play well if he you know prol- proliferates the idea that that's something that's going to happen. I mean, it was just absolutely, uh, it, it, it was silly. It was entertaining, and it's gotten even more fun now, so I should thank him. I mean, because when it came time, when it came time to answer it, I felt like there was a pinata in the room, and he, they gave him a bat. <laughs> he, uh, knowing knowing Mike Tomlin, I think he had that one in the holster. He, he was waiting for it. Uh, it's happened a couple times over the years. You might recall he gets linked randomly with colleges, and sure, right. you know the college game far better than I do. Just from a media perspective, though. I'm aware that, that the high-profile schools want to attach certain names with their, their head coaching open openings for probably recruiting reasons, for notoriety, for alumni support. They, they want to show that they're casting the biggest net that's possible. And if anybody is aware of that kind of nonsense, it's going to be a coach like Mike Tomlin. And, and coaches that uh, are coming under fire for perhaps not you know, having a, a quality track record of hiring minorities, Mike Tomlin's going to be the guy that they're going to throw out there. And the man doesn't want to be used as a prop. I don't blame him at all for that. I think it's absolutely nonsense to think that your job is anywhere close to the level of the, the job that Mike Tomlin has done and done well for the better part of two decades now. It, to suggest that he is not even interested, nothing to do with him being interested, to suggest that they – uh, I think that there's a chance that they could lure Mike Tomlin away to, to take that job is arrogance at its absolute finest. And it, it, personally, I'm, I'm glad he said what he said just because the, the effort that USC took kind of behind the scenes to, to prop him up the way that they did, it, it's embarrassing for him. I don't think a, a coach should have to deal with that. He shouldn't have to answer questions like that. It, it's He's being used for very specific reasons that have nothing to do with Mike Tomlin. Right, exactly. And Mike Tomlin shouldn't have to deal with that. Right, and look, and you're telling me Carson Palmer's on the search committee? I, I, for their sake, I hope that he's not. No. <laughs> okay. No. Uh, if he is, I, you know, that that's the guy you went right to right away. Huh? The, the one coach in the NFL that is probably the least likely to leave. Right. You went with Mike Tomlin. You couldn't well, have brought up anybody else <laughs> along with Mike Tomlin, which I think makes it look Tom, transparent. I think Tomlin it, and Belichick are too. <laughs> really? Yeah. Belichick, yeah. huh? Well, Belichick will never leave, but Tomlin will. You know, We'd be interested in Tomlin, just <laughs> sure. not Belichick. It, it, it opens up a can of worms and a, a bunch of questions that USC is, is going to... They're, they're going to take a hit to their image, which already isn't all that great, by having to answer it now. Now all the people that, that suggested... He was a candidate or heard from a guy who's associated with the, the athletic department who thinks that he's a candidate. All those people are going to have to answer to that. And they're not going to want to have to do that because I, I don't think a coach has ever in more emphatic terms shot down the idea that, you know, oddly enough, 
the coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers would leave at, months after he signed a four-year contract extension to go coach at USC on the other side of the country where he has no roots. <laughs> None of it makes and any sense. And has to recruit. And has to recruit. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Okay, that's, yeah. uh, that's why I always laugh when I hear about pro guys going to the college game. I sit back and go, you've gone from drafting to now recruiting. Like trying to convince people to stay. Like that doesn't happen in the, or convince people to come to your place and then you got to convince them every year to stay. That's what you, you want to, to do. doing that over and over again. It's not coaching as, as, as Mike Tomlin would say, it's not coaching ball. He would have, I think he would have major issues with the amount of time that he would get to, to work on the fundamentals of the game, which is not as, you're, you're restricted at the college level, plain and simple. You get to do more of it at the pro level. Um, the things that they're focusing on are, are just vastly different. It is a huge uh, a game of recruiting. And Mike Tomlin being legitimately one of the most naturally charismatic people you'll ever meet, if he doesn't coach again, he's going to be in a broadcast booth probably making the amount of money that he's making now. He'll be great at it. But if people don't know the guy, you don't know, he is – 24 7 365 a coach that's really where he wants to be and he's doing it at at the top of his profession he's been doing it for a very long time he's not interested in resurrecting the program at usc he's not interested in flying all over to, to talk to high school kids about coming to his school and as you pointed out getting them to stay longer than the three years that they're obligated to be there, dealing with the, the amount of regulation that, that is uh, involved in that, both past and present, leading into the future. It's, there's nothing there for him on what ha- would have to be on the highest end at USC, the amount of money that he's making today. All right. All right, so now after the bye week. Now, okay, what are the common denominators to the, how about success we've seen going into the bye week? I think um, the bye week, is, it's, it's good to be able to kind of catch your breath and evaluate where you are. It gets you a chance to get ahead of injuries a little bit. Uh, ones that are week-to-week tend to, to kind of fall into your favor after a bye week. You have a lot of, of uh, I don't want to say inactivity, but you don't have to be at practice. You're going to heal a little bit quicker in that kind of environment. You can really rest. So I think the, the, the you know, kind of week-to-week, day-to-day stuff, gets cleared up so you have a, a more refreshed team for that first week. Strategically, you get an opportunity to evaluate your entire team before diving into the opponent, which gives you a, a, perhaps a better perspective of who you are uh, as well as the time to prepare for your opponent to get to know who they are. Playing a team within your division after a bye week, I've always kind of seen as an advantage. I don't know uh, what the numbers are off the top of my head, but they already know the Cleveland Browns. You know, maybe not as well uh, mm-hmm. under Kevin Stefanski, but they have a good sense of who the Browns are, considering how many times they've played them. Um, three times last year, and you know, obviously a little bit of a score to settle after that game last season, and mm-hmm. it, it's a good Browns team. So they need all of that preparation. I, I would imagine they'd come out a little bit sharper, perhaps, than, than they have recently. But over the course of four games, I, you know, and this is going to depend on who Cleveland uh, is able to suit up and play. They're, they're pretty decimated by injuries right now. But uh, all rosters, all things being equal on the two rosters, Cleveland has, you know, I think pretty clearly a superior roster. Um, they have a good coaching staff. And they're able to do things that Pittsburgh is struggling with uh, uh, preventing right now. So I, I think 
uh, Cleveland has an edge going into the game. The fact that Pittsburgh has a bit of, of a bye week helps. But then Cleveland just played on Thursday. So, you know, they, they've got a, a mini bye week leading into this game, and right. they're at home. So um, I think in, in, in many ways a, a tactical advantage uh, goes away because of the familiarity of the opponent. Um, and Cleveland had, you know, just only like two less days uh, to prepare for Pittsburgh than, than Pittsburgh would have uh, to prepare for another opponent that happened to, to play in, in uh, on Sunday or Monday on Week 7. What did you think of the Johnson kid on Thursday night? I think... Um, I thought it was a great story, by the way. I mean, because, it, it, I mean, he comes out of the alliance and says, look, I just want a shot. They give him a shot because everybody's hurt, and he does that. I saw the letter that, that he had written asking for you know, whatever, whatever opportunity he can get anywhere else. He'd been in the camp. He'd been in camp with the saints. I think it was, um, he looked like an NFL running back. And to be honest, I, I, I don't like doing this. I, I hesitate on it because I don't want to trivialize the effort that he put forward. Mm-hmm. Sure. But when you have a good offensive line and even more importantly, a good scheme and, and well-coached guys, you're going to make guys be in position to make plays. Now, you know, whether he makes a guy miss and, and takes a, a four yard gain and turns it into 11 the way that he did plenty often in that game, that's up to the ability of the player. But you can definitely make a, a fourth-string running back look pretty good uh, if you have all those things going for it. I, you and I talked about this. I remember it back in the day. I'm, I'm racking my brain trying to remember who it was. But when, when the Browns hired Kevin Stefanski, the, what they did 15 minutes after, I'm sure, the ink dried on the contract with Stefanski, they hired an offensive line coach. And that is absolutely what Cleveland needed to do. I said this is going to be the, the, the watershed moment that we look back on when Cleveland is good. We're going to say it's because they made a commitment to their protection in, in within their offensive line to give them a foundation to build on. And not only is it the foundation, that's kind of the only thing they have going for them right now. They're not able to pass the ball particularly well, but they can run it. They can get chunk plays out of their running game, and there's not a whole lot of teams that can do that. So Cleveland has a chance. Uh, with whoever they have at running back, and that that's a, a obviously a pretty significant advantage when uh, you're you're putting out a, a journeyman behind you know a, a talent like Nick Chubb behind a, a guy like Kareem Hunt, you you have the ability to essentially improvise and continue to run your scheme, but with somebody who who mm-hmm. kind of needs to work his way into it. That's a big weapon. You know, you, you take a lot. They lost both their tackles. You know, <laughs> they have other guys that can step up because of the scheme that they're playing in, and, and their ability as coaches to teach that scheme to the backup players who can step in and, and play at a pretty comparable level. What do you think of Case Keenum? I mean, look, there are certain guys that I think are good quote backup quarterbacks that can hang in there for you for a game or two, and you can win with them for a game or two. Is Case Keenum one of those guys? Case Keenum looked exactly like Case Keenum looks. You know, it's, yeah. that's that's the thing that I appreciate about him. He, he he was never at a high level, but he was at the level that he's at, and he's always at that level. Uh, he's consistent. Doesn't have a strong arm, but he he puts the ball where it needs to go. He makes the right decision, and he controls the game well. I mean, at at certain levels, not in the fantasy football NFL. At certain levels, though. That's a really valuable player, and I think that's what Keenum is. And he's he's put together an outstanding career, uh, both before and after his his miracle season in Minnesota. Right. He, he's done a great job of being a veteran, uh, reliable quarterback. How many are there? You know, probably not, not all that many. 
um, I, I get the idea that everyone's going to, you know, jump on the easy bandwagon that, you know, may as well just play him over Mayfield. I mean, physically no. there are some things that he simply can't do that Mayfield can. Right. And Mayfield needs to do a better job uh, in, embracing those things and getting them to be positives on the field, which he hasn't done a, a ton of this season. He hasn't been terrible, but he's not great. Uh, we, we haven't seen him play at a high level, I don't think, uh, often this season but when you have a guy like that it, it becomes a pretty easy decision if Keenum has a torn labrum which to be honest with you I, I knowing what I know of that injury and I have some experience with it mm-hmm. uh, even if it even if it's his back shoulder even if it is front shoulder I mean he's not going to be able to play with that for very long it will get hurt again uh, Keenum's Keenum's going to play again I, I'm surprised Mayfield has not had surgery and I think a huge part of that is the team kind of saying all right well we don't want to force him because probably he's coming up to us and saying, look, I'll go get surgery now if you guarantee me a contract next year uh, or an extension next season, something like that. They're not sold on him long term. But if, if he was signed, I'd almost be willing to bet that they'd, they'd have, him, they'd, uh, have him have surgery now. Keenum can, can keep that team competitive of where they need to be. Mayfield wasn't playing particularly well. Uh, leading into it. Keenum is, to me, one of the most reliable backup quarterbacks in the league. He can step in, like you said, and play well for a game or two. I think he can go beyond that uh, to a point where I, I think it's going to have to. I, I Mayfield's not going to be able to play That's that, right. uh, for right. the rest of the season. Right. That's exactly right. Did you watch Baltimore-Cincinnati, and if so, what did you think of Burrow? Oh, what a what a game that was! That was fun. I I really enjoyed that as as somebody that uh, it, it's it, they're secondary teams in my mind. I know them well because I watch them a lot um, because of the the obvious interest of my coverage area. Um, Cincinnati is a really fun team to watch. They're they're putting a lot of things together. And Burrow, while I I thought Burrow had a great game, uh, Burrow's performance paled in comparison quite a bit to uh, the. First off, it's the rookie, Jamar Chase, who's Offensive Rookie of the Year as far as I'm concerned, and their defense. Their defense played lights out in the second half. They, they get after the passer like nobody's business. Lamar Jackson had nowhere to go with the ball. He was lucky, really, that he got what he got in that game. Uh, made a great throw to, to Marquise Brown um, into the end zone. But beyond that, Jackson was a non-factor. They, they shut him down uh, pretty effectively. And you do those things and then have a quarterback who can complete 70% of his passes for 400 yards and a, a game-breaking wide receiver, you're not an easy team to beat. And I think Cincinnati is starting to figure that out. Um, at the same time, I don't know if you guys happen to watch it, but you know what I noticed at the end of that game more than anything? I've never seen a Baltimore Ravens team quit on the field with seven minutes to go. But they, they gave up. They were not they were not invested in the, the remainder of that game at all. You don't see them give up a 46-yard rushing touchdown followed by a 21-yard rushing touchdown. They gave up 100 yards on two drives uh, on the ground. That's not Baltimore at all. It was really uh, – I'd imagine John Harbaugh was a little discouraged uh, overall with, with his team's defense. And to some degree, at, at, at lots of times – uh, for the season for them, their defense has been pretty light. I didn't expect to see that from them, but they're they're both really good teams. I don't think Cincinnati is 30 points better than them, but no. um, right. they're they're both going to be competitive. Um, I, I expected Cleveland probably to look more like what Cincinnati has, but if, if Cleveland puts it together too, you, you've got the best uh, division in football, and Pittsburgh's at the bottom mm-hmm. staring up at that with the bulk of their division schedule uh, to to go here in the second half of the season. What do you think a week like this meant to T.J. Watt? I would hope uh, he spent a good amount of it in an ice bath 
Um, yep. Getting rub downs, ice bath, rub downs, ice bath, maybe some some light agility work, but he needed to rest up um, in in a, a big way. Uh, the explosion that we saw from Watt in week one has not been apparent. I don't think I got shredded for this in, in social media. I did not think TJ Watt played end to end a great game um, against Seattle. He obviously dialed it up in overtime. We saw him make two huge plays on, on back-to-back drives. I don't think he played a great game overall. Watt is the type though, that has a way of making a play at some point in every game that he plays. And that's what you remember. That's why he's making the money that he's making. But I, I think it's still bothering him. I don't think he has that, that burst that makes Watt who he is. Um, some rest is definitely going to help that. Um, it's pretty easy for that injury to come back too. So who knows if he's going to be as explosive as, as we'd hope that he would be throughout the season. But if he is, it, it couldn't come at a better time. You're, you're playing a game. Um, it really, I think a lot of them are going to be must wins for the Steelers down the stretch, and they're not going to win a whole lot of them. But they're, they're going to need division wins here if they want to stay competitive. Uh, within the AFC and Watt's going to have to be a big part of that against a team that regardless of who's carrying the ball is, is going to need to, uh, to step up against the run. He's a great run defender. Well, we're glad you weren't uh, West coast tempted because I mean, if time went, <laughs> and time went, you would have gone with him. So I, I'd follow him anywhere. So it's easily the, the best, uh, the best quote that you get from any coach in the NFL. <laughs> And you're the best quote year we get. In, year you're out. the best oh, quote yeah. we get in this show, sir. Thank you so much. I, I learned from the best. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> That's Thanks, right. guys.